Hey, welcome to the Junto Show. I'm Lance, and I'm woke with jokes. I'm Johnny, founder of TheVentureOut.com. Best way to start your morning. All right, so we've got some very special content for you guys, for the dedicated listeners to the Junto Show. Me and Johnny, it's a summer movie season, summer blockbuster, TV shows, Game of Thrones, and Avengers Endgame. Two of the biggest franchises of all time have come to an end. So me and Johnny are going to sit down for a little bit of time and give you guys our thoughts on, if or if not, two of the biggest, most well-loved franchises in recent history did their franchises justice with their endings, huh? All right. Which one do you want to tackle first? Uh, so I guess Endgame okay. has probably been out for longer. Let's start with the easier, <laughs> less controversial one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, Avengers Endgame, the culmination of, what, 12 years of, of uh, movie-making, 22 mm-hmm. films, give or take. I could be off by one or two on both of those. And... um. Probably my favorite franchise of movies, if you want to count them all as a franchise, going. Uh, and I absolutely loved Endgame. Better than Infinity War? I, mm, no. I, Infinity War was better for Lance in particular than Endgame. Oh, also, just so you guys know, the listeners here, this is a all spoilers. Oh, yeah, it's true, it's true. Spoiler alert, blah, blah, blah. Like, don't even download. Well, download this, please. Rate it five stars. <laughs> <laughs> but stop listening now because we're going to go in-depth about uh, in-game and uh, in Game of Thrones, whole whole series or whatever. So, yeah. Pause now. This is your last warning. All right. So, um, as you, Johnny, as you know, I am more given the choice in a movie between spending tw- 10 extra minutes fighting and blowing stuff up and 10 extra minutes talking with dialogue and doing character, <laughs> character development. development. Blow stuff up. So, of the two movies, Endgame and Infinity War, the one that has more of a big summer movie action feel to it, to me, is Infinity War. It had more fight scenes, um, more coordinated action than Endgame. Yeah. And therefore, for my personal taste, I think that is not the better of the two movies, but the one that I personally enjoy more. Yeah, no, I think I totally uh, agree with your assessment on that one. The first one, Infinity War, was started off with action and just kept it through the whole time till it uh, just obli- literally obliterated you. He threw a moon. <laughs> <laughs> Thanos threw a moon at Iron Man. <laughs> That's freaking amazing. Uh, oh. So yeah, the, the, the pieces of um, Endgame that I love was in the first 10 minutes, it took away the obvious answer, which is, well, go, go get it back from Thanos and reverse the whole thing. So, you know, so they took that off the table and, and killed him. I was like, okay, yeah, you killed Thanos in the first 10 minutes. So Fantastic. I, I'm, I'm in the theater. Like, well, that's a thing I did not expect. And also, uh, what is this movie going to be about? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm a comic book guy. So I've read a lot of these storylines and that's not any of the storylines I've read about. Yeah. This one, so that was good. Johnny, you've you've got more yeah. comic knowledge than me, like by a fair margin. But at the same time, like I kind of know what happens to Thanos in the mm-hmm. Infinity War mm-hmm. storyline, and it they deviated from that in a mm-hmm. way that was very satisfying. And you know, it's good because it's kind of does suck to kind of know what's going to happen every time you see something, or you see a character pop up in a movie, like and and they say, "Oh, hey, this is Peter Parker," or whatever. Like, "Oh, that's going to be Spider Man." Yeah, you know, or whatever it is, less obvious ones than that. So, so I. I I love the fact that they committed to the events of the movies and made it real by fast forwarding five years and letting everything take root. Yep. Like that was a, okay, as a franchise, we were doing this five years has passed and our characters have moved on. 
I love it when um, uh, shows like this take that leap of commitment. Uh, another show that comes to mind is like the uh, TV show The One Hundred, which you've heard me talk about. I'm a fan of. Yeah, that show frequently does stuff like that where we're like, oh, well, normally shows don't do that, but yeah, you just commit to like you know, ten years later or five years later or you know stuff like that. Which I think it's a great thing because it gives you the repercussions. Like, yes, the snap was a literally universe changing event that you can't fathom the effects of like in the moment, you know? So showing the world five years later, really, so the, especially in comic books where it's like, okay, like I know black Panther two, like black Panther one made a, you know, a billion dollars. So like, yeah, you killed the child, but like, I know like you're bringing him back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but, um, but for them to jump ahead five years, like, like, like they did kind of sets in that, okay, in this world, these things, this action has real consequences, even though it's a comic thing and we know where you're pretty sure it's going to get undone. It still gave you the stakes of it in a, in a way that I thought was very satisfying. So, so, so let's talk about the uh, closure of some of these characters. I mean, we thought if we think it was a, uh, a fitting in or a good end for these characters. Okay, so first up, Black Widow. Uh, that kind of bugged me. So I, I, I didn't the, the if there was a weak part in 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 the game, it was the. Ronin slash uh, why? Well, uh, that that scene received so much hate. I don't get it, man. Uh, so the scene, the scene where I'm, there's two separate scenes I'm talking about here. Not the scene and uh, with the Soul Stone. I'm talking about the scene where Jeremy Renner was like fighting the the Yakuza guys. Uh-huh. I didn't find it satisfying. And also, it had been after like a an hour long lull in the movie where <laughs> where there had like so I went to the movie thinking it was going to be a, a big summer action movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like I like. And then it was very slow for like an hour I into know. it. They threw they threw as your character development. Which so after I re- <laughs> after I realized that's what they were doing, I was totally fine with it. But you know, you go into a summer movie, yeah. a superhero movie, thinking it's going to be a superhero movie. Yeah. So once I readjusted my expectations, I know it was you, fine. man. You live your life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> I got you. I do. So um, the scene, I just like Black Widow more than than uh, Hawkeye. So like. I would prefer her to survive. <laughs> I want to look at her on screen more than him. <laughs> well, I think so. This movie did a lot for Hawkeye. I think as far as like make, making that character more interesting. Yet they tried. Yet I I don't understand. Like so, all hail Kevin uh, Feige or whatever his name is, right? Yeah. So I trust that he knows what he's doing, but I am not excited to go see a Black Widow origin movie. Oh, I want to see that so bad. Yeah, I that's mean, that's still coming out. But they already had uh, what Red Sparrow played by. Uh, that wasn't an action movie though, huh? That wasn't an action. I, movie. I know, but come on, like a Russian spy growing up and what that did, and now there's another movie coming out this summer too. That's a pretty much similar premise. I'm like, really? Like Black Widow's go be on the scene? Like, and she's like so late to the game. Character's dead already. Do I even care about this movie at all anymore? I t- so like, I get that it kind of feels like there's an abundance of. So, so what there is is an abundance of Russian female spy movies. But there's still a huge dearth in female-led action movies. So for whatever reason, the, the industry decided to make all the female action movies. All three of them in ten years are going to make <laughs> Russian female spies. But like, there's still much more room for there to be a uh, a woman-helmed uh, action film that and and that character's been around. Like, uh, so and she's great. So I'm definitely looking forward to the end. Scarlett Johansson, you know. Come on, come on, come on, guy. <laughs> oh. And by the way, the other movie I was talking about is uh, Anna. Anna. Yeah. 
comes out pretty soon, actually. Looks so. looks great. Which, so like that that said though, like they haven't stepped the game up with the Black Widow movie. I'm confident it's going to be good, but that Anna movie looks like, fantastic. Looks like Girl John Wick, which I'm like, yeah. all right, it's sold. It's got some good uh, other um, actor actresses in there too. Helen Mirren, Luke Evans, big fan of him. I like Luke Evans. Yeah. Uh, Cillian Murphy. Yeah, he's great. So yeah, definitely take that one out. Okay, so uh, oh, so so in in game. The thing, a thing I noticed that everybody, nobody ever talks about except me because Lance, I'm, I'm thinking, thinking black guy meme. So, uh, I love Professor Hulk as a character, whatever. I thought, I thought it was cool. Side note, I've been kind of going back and trying to read Incredible Hulk comics because I have no idea if the Hulk is smart. Like, uh, so in, in Ragnarok, you got an idea that the Hulk had a personality, which I don't think was necessarily there in any of the other movies. He was just like, beast you know dumb beast would run and break stuff or whatever so i'm like okay so it's the hulk like in the comics does he ever talk does he think like what is this character like so i've been going back and reading comics and it i think it mostly just depends on the incarnation is the Mm -hmm. thing but um but i thought a good way of getting around it for in game was to make him smart like that like combine the bruce and the hulk so you get the action scenes with the hulk but you can still act or whatever but a thing that nobody's saying is that bruce banner effectively killed the Hulk. The character the character <laughs> the Hulk that we met in Thor Ragnarok was a fully fleshed out person with a personality that Bruce Banner, for reasons that he I guess to save the world or whatever, he killed that, he killed that character's consciousness. Man, you're saying and we're all just a, fine with it because he's cool. Yeah, you're saying it's such a you're twisting it the scenario. It's Bruce Banner cured his schizophrenia and we should all be happy for him. No, he killed the Hulk. So was he cured the, his own schizophrenia. So, was the, so you're saying that the Hulk was just a an incar, uh, a figment of Bruce Banner's imagination? I don't think so. I don't think Bruce Banner thought that. I, I think it was a uh, maybe it was a coping mechanism for him to deal with the uh, the angry green uh, giant inside of him. You're a comic guy. Is that how it's usually played? That the Hulk is just a uh, a manifestation of Bruce's inner thoughts as opposed to a separate entity? I think there was two souls. You say one soul, I say two souls. Mm, that's deep, man. That's deep. I don't know. I'm not ready for that one. (laughs) Well, I think that there was two souls, and now there's one. Well, there's only one soul stone, to tell you that. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. um, All right. uh, Who else passed away? I don't. So the way that they did Captain America in the end, Mm -hmm. I thought was a fitting end for that character, except for a couple of caveats. So, so a couple things. One, when they went back and like the movie itself is amazing, and like the the callbacks to the other movies, I thought was magnificent. And a really rewarding experience for a person that's paid attention to the movies. Like when Captain America was in the elevator, I was like, oh, that's great. And the Hell Hydra, I was like, oh, that's right out the comics. That was so great. But so so Captain America going back and like living in the past, I thought was cute and cool. And he got to be with Peggy, who I like. I actually watched the Peggy TV show. So I like that character a lot. And I thought that was cool. Minus, and I don't know exactly how the time travel worked in that world, but didn't wouldn't he mess up all kinds of stuff by like being there with a a history making person like when he wasn't supposed to be didn't he alter the timelines by staying staying in a place where he didn't belong two points one i don't think we know enough about the um how he handled that living in the past right correct thing right so there it might have been done in a managed way but there's also a scene in avengers endgame that kind of turns on the premise of what happens with time travel it, it, it was a scene where they were testing out the suits and they're like joking about like, what you base your knowledge of time travel on back to the future. Come on people. Mm-hmm. You know? 
So in that logic, as what they were discussing in the room is just simply saying, hey, changing the past doesn't necessarily change your future. Because if that was the case, then both instances wouldn't have um, exist. So therefore, it all still exists, maybe on different timelines, but it all still exists. So, And that's why at the end, when uh, Nebula shot her earlier version of Nebula, the, the later one still exists. Like she didn't just disappear because she shot her younger mm-hmm. self, you know? So, so, so what I thought was going on in that was, uh, when Dr. Strange, no, wait, whoever was talking to the ancient one, I forget who it was, but the Hulk, Hulk. when the Hulk was talking to the ancient one, she said that like, once you go back in time, you change mm-hmm. the timeline and you mm-hmm. create a, a separate path. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I, I didn't even think that once Captain America went back in time and stayed, that he would even be able to come back to the present path. Which he did. Yeah, but so with that uh, moment, you're talking about the the string of light wherever that she yeah. was showing, that string of light didn't disappear. Another one just branched off of it. Mm-hmm. So hence the parallel universe, multiverse type theory where all these universes all still exist. Yeah, but, but I'm the same. When Captain America went back in time, he then mm-hmm. he should be in that separate path, but he ended up in the main path. No, that's what Bruce Banner was explaining to the ancient one saying, Captain America's mission in the movie was to go return those gemstones back at the exact moments right. they got them. Because you could, because if you stayed for longer than the exact moment or right. got it off, then you would create a new path. Yeah, which he did. Well, by he himself staying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Then how but, was but he again, able to interact with the people? That's what I'm saying. We don't know enough about the interaction. Like maybe he did it in such a way that, hey, Peggy, you got to pretend I'm not around, or or something. I don't know. I, I think that's going to be the premise actually of the new. Uh, Fal- uh, Fal- Falcon and Winter Soldier mm-hmm. Disney TV show. Which is interesting they still call him Falcon because as you learned in mm-hmm. Endgame he mm-hmm. is now Captain America. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if you read the black Captain America mm-hmm. or Captain America Sam that. Wilson mm-hmm. comics. They're some of my uh, Captain America Steve Rogers is probably my favorite comic of the last year or couple years and Captain America Sam Wilson is my second favorite. Oh, you're going to hate me man. I'm not a fan. Uh, I found the whole premise. So, so let's talk strictly about the movie. The yes. fact that the Falcon is handed the torch to become the Captain America mm-hmm. sounds good. It makes sense in the in the in the context that um, he was uh, Steve Rogers' best friend. No, he wasn't. Oh, that part bugged w- me. One of his best friends, right? <laughs> yeah. But he has no superpowers. I mean, Captain America can do all those crazy things with a shield because he has super strength, super agility, super whatever. Mm-hmm. Bucky has that. The Winter Soldier does have that, mm-hmm. but the Falcon doesn't. So when he throws that, uh, what I imagine is a super heavy shield. It's not heavy. <laughs> oh, I, I assume it is. That's no, not. Oh well, I don't think he's got the skills to, whatever, bounce it off of the villains and come right back to him and such. He trained for that. So like, uh, in, in the, even in the comic, so. like he's not as good as Cap with it, but you know he's still pretty good. I'm not buying that. Uh, and okay. then and then nothing against um, Anthony Mackie, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like him too. I love him in other shows as well. I don't see him as Captain America, though. Not him. Well, you and the the Fox News of... Uh... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I hate being lumped in with the, that group over there, but that, that's what I'm saying. Just the actor-wise, like if Ildred's elbow was in Heimdall to begin with, fantastic. Make him Captain America or like a younger version of uh, Ildred's elbow. Yeah, Anthony Mackie as the lead in the thing is... Like, I, I'm 
going along with it because I like the right. character. Mm-hmm. Anthony Mackie himself is not like my favorite yeah. actor, there and then go. the guy himself is kind of problematic. But um, there you go. But Black Captain America, so we, we, sure. I have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. So that said, the way they handled that scene where Captain America told Falcon to come come over and talk to him, I'm like, it makes sense for the storyline, but Bucky is a much closer person to 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 and I think that's why as we learn more about the new TV show my guess my hunch is that Captain America did contact Bucky along the way. Ah. I think Bucky knew ah. going in that one way or either he had the intuition to know that yes yeah, Steve you're going to see in the past aren't you? Mm-hmm. Or he was actually contacted at some other point saying that did happen so he already knew so let let Sam Wilson have his moment. No, so Sam should yeah. be the new Captain America for sure. I just thought that it was weird that he didn't say bye to his best friend. <laughs> like I just thought that was weird. It's like I mean, well, everybody got mad when John didn't say bye to Ghost. <laughs> but I, it's kind of weird. I mean, now that old Steve Rogers is known, why can't Bucky and old Steve Rogers go get coffee every weekend? I assume so now. Oh, like you say, maybe it messes up the timeline if you hang out too much. So, yeah, so we'll see. So I don't know. But it's all a new timeline now. This is all branching out to new stuff now. Okay, so a thing that I was thinking about. Um, Thanos, without the Infinity Gauntlet, was giving the hands to all of the Avengers. And I, I, it didn't seem to me like he was having much more difficulty with them than he had when he had the Infinity Gauntlet. So I'm like, so is that just because... You see, you see what I'm saying? Like, in the first movie, when he had the Infinity Gauntlet, he was fighting the Avengers and having kind of a hard time. And then when he fought them without the Infinity Gauntlet, he it seemed about the same. So like, shouldn't it have been much easier with the gauntlet or like much harder without it? Did that bother you at all? Did you notice that? No, n- not too much. I, I think the fight scene from Avengers Infinity War had a limited amount of what you call Avengers. And it was all kind of like a surprise attack and they're just going at him nonstop. Bam, bam, bam. Right. But in Endgame, it was more of a like Thanos just sitting there waiting to have a little uh, soiree with the three main Avengers. And that one was a prolonged fight scene, kind of. And once he did get some of the Finney Stones, he used them in different ways, too, which I thought was pretty cool, by the way. Because mm-hmm. one thing that bugged me the first time I watched the movie was, like, Captain Marvel, she is, like, a super powerful character. She should be able to one-on-one tango with Thanos. But then Thanos quickly took her out of the equation. But when I rewatched the second time around, I'm like, yeah. I get it. He had the gauntlet. She was holding on to it. He took off the power stone, used that one specifically to punch her in the face mm. and took her out of the game for a little while. Yeah. So it, I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. I mean, you knocked her in the face with one stone, particularly the power stone. Yeah, okay, I get it. I, I did think that it was kind of like convenient for the story that the most powerful person, all of yes, a sudden she's yeah. like gone for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So let's talk tackle the big one here. Iron Man, gone. No more Tony Stark. No more um, RDJ. Uh, so in the last two movies, he was starting to get a little long in the tooth. <laughs> yeah. So I I say uh, thank you very much, Robert Downey Jr. for your service. Yes. Um, thank you so much for giving us these this ten years of of an amazing character. Uh, when you got cast as uh, as Tony Stark, I was not for it. <laughs> really? No, I wanted. Oh, uh, I thought he was perfect for I it. I wanted Johnny Depp. Oh, which, wow. uh, which in retrospect, yeah, Wait, so, I, was, oh. I was very wrong. Who <laughs> <laughs> dodged a bullet? <laughs> it's like that uh, Doug Ray Scott was that close to being cast as Wolverine. 
Doug Ray Scott? I don't even know who exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, he jacked us like six four though. He really should be. One. <laughs> but the Doug Ray Scott guy had a choice: do I play the Wolverine or do I play the villain in um, the Mission Impossible movie directed by John Woo? <laughs> I forgot which one that was. Number three, maybe. That's funny. Two you, or three. And you love those movies. I do, but he cho- he chose wrong in that one. Man. You know, Will Smith was almost Neo in the Matrix. I think he took off uh, to be the Matrix to do I, I Robot. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so um, let's see what else. What else? What else? Uh, oh, so I, I was gonna say. So, what's your favorite favorite moment? Like, what's the moment that really got you in tears or like you know really excited, yelling at the screen too, cheering with the screen? Uh, oh, so I forgot what it was, but there was a point in the movie where I think I tried to initiate a clap and nobody went for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it when uh, Sam, Sam Wilson became Captain America? <laughs> nah, not, I don't. It, it would be, but I don't. I just don't like Anthony Mackie that much. Yeah. Uh, I think probably when all of the the Avengers came back, like through the portals or whatever, yeah. uh, that was such a great moment. No, no, it, it, I don't remember what it was when I tried to get people to clap. It wasn't this. But um, my probably my favorite moment was when Steve picked up that that hammer. Oh man! Ooh, ooh man, that did it for me. No. I was so hyped in that theater. I, I I am tracking right with you, man. Like I've I've rewatched on bootleg on YouTube <laughs> a few times when the porters start opening up, mm-hmm. right? And they're all lined up now, and that you know you you wait like over ten years for him to say it. And he said, Avengers. A symbol, and the way he said it was like, "Oh yeah, let's do this." So I had never even realized that it had never popped up before. Yes, just, just so good, just just so great. Okay. Yeah, and, and then you're right. The the Captain America with the uh, Thor hammer, and that action sequence was fantastic. That one on one fight scene for 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 a few seconds, there was just perfect. The way he hammered, literally hammered it in, used the shield. It was just great. So yeah, there was, was a, a moment there where like it was like what Thor. Uh, Captain America and Iron Man like all about to fight Thanos and I was like okay Iron Man and Thor belong in this fight <laughs> and like Steve I love you but uh, you're, yeah. you're about to get mollywopped and then I yeah. was like and I get that it's storytelling Steve has to fight Thanos but I'm like this is bad storytelling he shouldn't be yeah. fighting this fight until he picked up that hammer <laughs> <laughs> and brought him man. and I was like yes alright so we're, we're gonna wrap this up we're gonna wrap this up uh, so I think uh, arguing with somebody on Facebook I came up with, <laughs> <laughs> as one does of course you do that I came up with what I thought was uh, a, a very very good if I say so myself analogy for how to think of in game and infinity war people like to ask is one better than the other and I, I think of them now uh, as one long movie I think of them exactly more or less like I think of Kill Bill 1 and Kill Bill 2 where Kill Bill 1 is all action she's chopping off heads the whole movie and killing with you know you know you understand the character and you meet him or whatever but it's an action movie and then number two flushes out the rest of the backstory of the characters and wraps up everything and is more story driven. So it's like an action packed movie, part one, story driven movie, part two. It's Kill Bill, Kill Bill, Kill Bill one, Kill Bill two. Same for in Infinity War and Endgame. All right. Well, with that, we'll uh, we'll watch the epilogue movie now with uh, Spider Man Far From Home. Yeah, that's and, the uh, end of uh, Phase Three, is it? Whatever the official end of Phase Three. Yep, yep that would be it. So, yeah. all right. Uh, so let's take a quick break. And then we'll come right back to uh, Game of Thrones. Whoop, whoop. All right, we're we're back. And so now that uh, after that rousing discussion of uh, Avengers in Game, we're going to talk about Game of Thrones. I guess we'll, we'll do it holistically. We'll talk about season eight and then maybe the series overall a little bit too. So uh, I think I, uh, unlike most of the internet, <laughs> enjoyed the season 
including the final episode. So let's get the, yeah. the overall impression. All right. Like, it, well, enjoy is such a soft word. I think it's the word I want to use. <laughs> <laughs> I think Game of Thrones did enough to keep me satisfied. I'm not like ecstatic. I'm not saying this is the best season ever by any means, but it did enough to resolve the storylines and the characters in such a way that was satisfying. But because it was only satisfying, that's not the uh, caliber I expect out of uh, out of uh, got. Okay, so if the average Game of Thrones season is like uh, let's call it an eight on the average, okay. um, what do you what would you say out of ten? What would you say this last season was? Six. Six? Okay. And uh, the final episode? 6.5. Okay. Uh, fair enough. I think I'd probably give them both sevens. Sevens? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, so you're not as down on it as some people. Like you. No, no. <laughs> I, I'm not hating it on it. I mean, it's a lot of hype to live up to. True. So True. that that that's huge. But I think as much time as they put into the show, mm-hmm. as beautiful as it is, cinematography... In some areas, were spot on, such as with uh, uh, Drogon. Yeah, Drogon looked great. Fantastic. I feel like because maybe they were too close and trying a little too hard, they should have taken a step back and say, what are the big moments from season eight here, right? And there's three big moments here. You took care of the Night King, mm-hmm. you took care of Cersei, mm-hmm. and you took care of Danny. Yeah. And all three of them were quiet, small scenes. One of them had to at least been a, a big, climatic fireworks, you know, sword fighting. Like one of them had to give me like a grandiose something, but all three of them were small moments. And I like, ah, I'm not satisfied. I, I think that is a perfect encapsulation of it. Like uh, the Night King, I think is probably the biggest disappointment for me. Like Cersei was never going to fight, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's not her thing. Yeah. But the Night King was built up to be this yeah. huge, imposing yeah. character and like, for him to just go out one shot kill, yeah. like he he didn't even kill anybody that, that episode. <laughs> that episode specifically, Winterfell, um, a four probably, maybe a three in my book. I like that the, show. That episode was. Ugh. I like the episode. I like the the fight. Well, minus it just being terrible strategy to not use your air power in the beginning, and then also to just send all of your brown people to go die immediately. The, there was problems, <laughs> but um. The thing that bugged me like that, but everybody said it was too dark and it was you couldn't nah, see. It's, it's not even that. I like it's, that. That was fine. Yeah, yeah, that was fine for me too. Um, the piece that bothered me the most, I think, in, in the Winterfell episode though, was if there was a plan of attack, they should have cued in the audience a little bit more because I think there was more watching the behind the scenes making of that episode. There were certain reasons why the characters were positioned where they were and what they did mm-hmm. that I didn't get when I was watching the show. Like, like Arya. No, like specifically the the dragon. So uh, Danny and Jon Snow were on the top of that cliff mm-hmm. with their dragons. Yeah, and and then but yeah, the, the plan was to wait for the Night King and then go to Bran. But then Danny was like, "Nah, I'm about to jo- join the war. I got that." What well, part of the plan too was to signal the dragon so they could light the trench on fire, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And that wasn't too obvious for me until the scene of right. But if I knew that going into the whole episode in general, I would have known when they were being chased off and just flying around the clouds. I'm like, dude, you guys got to get back down. The ground crew is waiting for you to light that trench. But I didn't know that until much later on into the moment, I think, where it's like mm-hmm. when they were trying to sing, I was like, oh, oh, that was what they were supposed to be doing up there? Oh, okay. So, I, I mean. I think that, I think they they could have been more explicit, but I think I got that. I did understand that. Yeah. I mean, so but but to the bigger point of, yes, 
It should be more of a climatic battle. I love that Arya did the fatal blow. But dude, that there was like at least ten general general White Walker generals there on, on their horseback. Give me a fight scene with each of the main characters, right? The Hound tackles one, uh, Brienne tackles one. Like, just l- let's see some cool fight scenes going yeah. on, you know? They did nothing. Yeah. I was, I was, I was like, if, if my friend got into a fight at the club, I would put in more effort than, than the Night King's generals who were supposed to be these, these undead super warriors yeah. who, who did nothing, got bested by a young girl, came out of nowhere. Like, I don't know. I get that they, they want to wrap it up in one episode. That's yeah. fine. But, uh... So the, the, an issue. I'm not a big Harry Potter guy. Not not to get digress too much, but part a big part of the reason why I can't get into the Harry Potter movies for real is because the fights are just two people with wands pointing them at each other, <laughs> and then in every and like it's, it's it's like versus say like Dragon Ball, which I like Dragon Ball, where they yeah. they punch and fight for for thirty minutes. Yeah. Now I don't think either one of them is the, is the right thing, but the problem, like you said, with Game of Thrones was that it was a one like a one move fight, you know. Yeah. It, it, it lasted all of like ten seconds. So, so, so think of the main character, one of the main characters, John Snow, mm-hmm. fan, one of the greatest warriors. Yeah. Thinking I'm, back I'm in thinking back in season eight, what was his moment that showed off his skills? Well, clearly when he k- killed a unsuspecting uh, woman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's my point. Like, he's a great fighter. You're supposed to showcase that in some in in one of these climaxes. Right? I, th- I think they thought they did it. And, and it was poorly executed. And I, I think, think it, so too. Uh, there was a scene um, on the episode of the Battle of Winterfell yep. where yep. John was like running through yep. the castle and then ended up like closing the gate behind a bunch of White Walkers. Yep. I think that was supposed to be like, no. m- remember the scene in uh, I think it was either Hard Home or, or that mm-hmm. where they did that long swooping shot and everybody said, "Oh, that's amazing!" I think it won an Emmy or whatever. I think they thought they were doing that level of work with yeah. that scene where John was running through the castle, but I don't think the actor or the it just didn't. It wasn't as crisp yes. as it should have been, and I think that. And I, I feel bad saying that right now, you know, after watching those behind the scenes and how much love that crew and the production yeah. put into it, it's beautiful. It's it's I'm sure it's amazing technically what they did, just not as good, especially not as good as um, uh, Battle of the Bastards. That was yeah. that was amazing. So so yeah, so as as we critique or whatever, yes. let it be said that I am more appreciative than is is. Like I, I, they did so much hard work, like in in these cold climates and oh, all yeah. these long days or whatever, putting together this this show that even brought me and our, our friends together closer that we because we get together and have watch parties. Yeah, man, I wouldn't have hanging out <laughs> with you at all. <laughs> yeah, like who's this guy? Uh, so like, yes, everything I appreciate the hard work so much, and and I everything we say, even the critical things, is coming from a place of love. Oh, yeah, because I've gotten in tr- trouble for, <laughs> <laughs> for hating well, on. A, uh, movies before <laughs> that uh that episode where uh danny just uh gave it to king's landing okay yeah let's uh, talk about that and looking at the behind and just sticking with the behind the scenes real fast the production of that was amazing where they're like first they built the destroyed city oh what and then they built the pretty city so how big that, was it like a lot of sets all right was it a miniature or was it like a no no it's a full-size set oh wow right so they built the destroyed version and then they built the pretty version right on top of it knowing that when they burnt it down the destroyed version was what would remain. Ah, cool. You know, so they had to think through the whole thought process Jeez. of what it would take to go do each and every scene and alleyway and all the details that went into it and then seeing it burn up. It's like, ooh. Rough. Okay. So so yeah, so speaking of Danny's turn. Yeah. Um are you of the mindset that it was earned or that it came out of nowhere? I think that's a, a one of the bigger discrepancies 
or problems people have with the season. I think it was actually earned as fast paced, um, criticized as it is. I, I think I felt it. I, I think the piece that I need to go back and think a little bit more about is so, so season eight definitely earned in the sense that, yeah, I can understand why she turned and got a little, a little cuckoo there, mm-hmm. but has she been cuckoo all along? Yes, exactly. So that's where I need to go back and take more of a retroactive look as far as her behavior over those other seasons. Was she doing it because she's a pyromaniac? Does she were her actions guided by a moral code or was it just because of power? There's like a, a you, you know, know. supercuts of clips of Danny talking and it's like yeah. it's like whenever there's a problem, she's like, uh, burn everything down. <laughs> and then the people around her are like, No, Danny, let's not but she yeah. but her initial thought on how to do everything is to crucify it it didn't register with us. The, the audience so much, especially me, because when she was burning and crucifying people, it was slave owners. So I was like, "F them." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's easy to see when when she's doing it when she's doling out to villains, mm-hmm. but then slowly but surely, as she gets more to Westeros, when she burned the captured prisoners of the Lannisters. Yeah, I was like, okay, uh, yeah, it's like a you know, uh, Dickon. <laughs> His, his dad poisoned him <laughs> with that name, so he had to just go ahead and go the rest of the way <laughs> and, and burn him up. Yes, exactly. Like So it's like most of them were justified or just on the edge yeah. enough to where you, you didn't right. see it. But if you go back and look at him yeah. in progression, yeah. she's she's real burn happy. <laughs> okay. She's precarious. And then um, I liked the way it was filmed, and then I thought that there was enough foreshadowing to where it wasn't like Danny came out of nowhere and went crazy. That said, speaking of the behind the scenes or whatever, the creators of the show say that Danny just flipped out. So like, I just think they're they're wrong. <laughs> I mean the, uh, and that's I, why I don't watch those things too because like, uh, yeah, I don't know, like I I get the show and I experience it in my way and I'll interpret it and then like yes you have some yeah. say in it the person that made it but you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it's a fair point I think so. Holistically, are we, are we there yet, or are you, anything else you want to cover before um, we move on? Do we ca- cover the characters' ending, and are, are we okay with where they all landed? Yeah, yeah, no, okay, yeah. Let's talk about that. I'm trying to think because there was a couple of um things I like to talk about as far as uh questions or problems that we had with with how things work. Okay, um, it, so let's say a few more things. One, Grey Worm should have killed John. Yep, and and uh, Antirian. Yep. There's no reason that they that. He, his character would have waited three weeks for Agreed. the panel of people to come. <laughs> like, Agreed. why? Yep. As far as we know, what probably actually happened is that John went to Grey Worm and was like, hey, I'm honorable, but I killed your queen. And then Grey Worm was like, okay, lock you up. Because because that's not what he does. <laughs> that was a missed opportunity right there. That would have been a great time to show some uh, sword buckling. Yep. Yeah. Let Jon Snow and Grey Worm battle it out to the greatest warriors. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. I don't even know that John would fight him. I think he would. I mean, if it's up to his uh, self-defense now, he'd fight out of self-defense. Mm, I, yeah, I think it, they it's should. Like, it's like a Grey Worm stab him with that stick. They should They should have fought, and then yeah. somebody else should have stepped in, like a Yudavos or somebody like that mm-hmm. should have stepped in and said, just arrest him. And then maybe physically restrained, but that wouldn't work either. <laughs> yeah, John should have yeah. died. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... I, I thought something stupid at the end was so. However many w- weeks later, right? Yeah. The uh, the council forms in the dragon pit, and Grey Worm Grey, Grey Worm um, comes out with Tyrion to figure out what what's going to happen, right? Yeah. Why Tyrion? Not John? John? Why isn't John just king? But <laughs> wasn't that what they wanted? <laughs> didn't 
Didn't the the uh, Unsullied just win the whole thing? Why is the council comprised of all those um, lore and whatnot? Like, Grey Worm is the one calling the shots right now, mm-hmm. right? He should be sitting up in the chair, and the council should be, like, trying to plead with him, whereas it seemed like the other way around, mm-hmm. you know? Well, so, I, I mean, I, I've got my theory as to why. I mean, that. I understand the optics <laughs> of the situation, yes. So, but that bothered me, too. I was like, well, I'll just go with it, I guess, because clearly there's only 10 minutes left in the show, so... Let's wrap this up. Yeah, it, it did feel rushed, but at the same time, like yeah. it, it, the show was slower a lot of times too. So they chose to go fast instead of go slow this time. Okay, um, that's what she said. <laughs> so, what do you think of Tyrion's speech and the outcome of said speech? The winner of the Game of Thrones was that satisfying to you? Was that your choice? You think that was a good choice? I think it was a good choice. I think I think it was almost the only choice, and I think. I would have been, dare I say, 100% on board if the Bran character was just written slightly different. Like, I'm cool with him being the three-eyed raven. I'm cool with him spending most of the time in the past or whatever he does when he, his eyes roll back. I meant that, didn't, like, he has time travel right. ability. They did it once and never brought it back up again. Yeah, well, that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I'm down with all that stuff. I'm down with his detachment from humanity, but they could have written in such a way that he was a little bit more charismatic or had a little bit more personality like if you're gonna follow a king you want that king to have a, a semblance of a personality this thing is just a <laughs> just yeah. a thing rolling around and kind of, it's like, i don't know so I'll, I, I'll I wasn't ta- buying that one i'll take that but go a slightly different way with it yeah. it wasn't that he had no personality that bugged me it was that we have no idea what he wants or thinks or i'm fine with that no I'm like cool with it. so 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 Tyrion's Tyrion rationale, it, it was cool in the moment in a good speech, and it, Peter Dinklage is an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. But like, after I thought about it, I was like, he he basically told this dude that nobody knows who he is now, a complete stranger, that he should have all the power in the world. We have no idea how he's going to govern. He has no experience governing, and we don't know what he thinks on any of the topics. It's but, like, well, it's a couple things there. Given the options, again, given the options is, is one of the key things. We I'm know, sure. we, we I'm know Sansa. Sansa. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Almost everybody. Sansa, I would have definitely gone for, and I thought she would have won at the end. Um, but again, I think given the options, if not Sansa, Bran would have been almost the only other choice no, that was there. We don't know anything about him. It, uh, like, but given the choices, you have to name somebody king. Mm-hmm. Sansa, I agree with you. Number one don't choice. Don't put a black box up there. Number one pick, Sansa. But if you had to pick a number two, who would it be? Of the choices right there. Yara's fine, too. Yara is just as far as we know. No. What has Yara done to lose your trust? I don't think she's... Sam? Sam would be fine, too. Like, So I'm thinking about, like, so maybe Sam would get killed immediately. That's a problem. But <laughs> but, but so Sam would be a just king. Um, He would look out for the people. He'll get killed. I don't think that's he's smart enough. I mean... That, he's that, the grandmaster. He's the smartest person. But He's in charge of being smart. He's book smart. He's not, he's not street smart. Well, that's why you have a council. Yeah, but, true. But the, the thing with Bran, though, Bran is like um, is like Neo from the Matrix, where all he has to do is like, I need to learn how to fly a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got it. You know, so Bran can do that. Like, uh, you need me to make a decision on this? Hold on. He checks with all the previous rulers what they did. He finds out what worked, what didn't work, and he comes back like, I'll, I'll be at ten hours later <laughs> to make any small decision. <laughs> also, I don't think it's a good idea to put basically the the human embodiment of the NSA. In charge of the of the, of the entire kingdom, I think he's got all fine. the dirt on everybody. But think of it this way too, okay? Um, 
everywhere in King's Landing is going to be uh, 508 compliant. Right? <laughs> ramps, ramps everywhere. <laughs> Easily <laughs> accessible. Handlebars. <laughs> I mean, that's good. That is good. I mean, the uh, the the local uh, brothel was going to have to be uh, handicap access- accessible. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, yeah. There's that. Yeah, it, and then as, the more I think about it, one, I stand by that we had done, we know nothing about Bran except that he's a weird creeper, <laughs> and so like empowering him is at best a risk. And then two, as I the more I thought about his uh his small council, I was like, um, not the best small council either. No, like uh, so it's it's good for the show because we like all these characters, but it's like um having Sam as Grand Maester, I was like he, well that's he's, cool. He's a freshman at Maester School. Well, I think that's cool. I think Sam is cool. Braun. Ma- master of coin and uh, he's about his money but is he good with money oh, right exactly <laughs> like, i don't know about that. and can you trust him yeah i mean like yeah he's honest i guess i'll give you that but i don't know if you can trust him yeah. trust him right he's just as like he could he he gonna scam some of that money off the top <laughs> like he's one of money laundry for sure yeah, yeah. and then um brianne like brianne has been a knight for all of a week and she's super trustworthy and a great fighter but like you are real you have you you have a very inexperienced small council yeah. for you to have never been a king or like yeah. blah 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 you know yeah. and maybe I guess he has been a king <laughs> or he's seen all the kings <laughs> so he does have that yeah. but a small council council is a I mean c- clearly the most experienced was Sansa clearly mm, no, I, I no. think Sansa is the one I mean no probably uh, Edmure is probably he's uh, been who the dude that got up and, and gave his speech and then Sansa was like sit your five dollar butt down are you kidding He's he's got experience uh, as run, running his house. He's he's been a lord. Get out of here, Sansa, man! Sansa's been a lady of of Winterfell for like <laughs> for like a month. That dude, he's lame and and not charismatic. But if you want to talk about pure experience, I bet a few of I, those dudes at the round table have ha, have more experience being a lord of a. Oh, of dude, a great I, house. I think I think he's got experience. <laughs> he, he he gave his own resume. He sounded like the twenty third candidate running for Democratic president, but he like a but lord. he had a resume. No man, nah, it's no man, <laughs> no man. It's it's like having um ten years experience during peacetime versus one year experience in wartime. Give me the experienced war person any given day. We're in peacetime though, huh? We're in peacetime now though. Well, we're not talking about peacetime wartime. We're talking about ruling. He ruled in peacetime. He he. he I don't know what he ruled. She she. He ruled uh, <sighs> Heron Hall or All whatever right. the hell. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay, so that's just uh, so now, now let's go through the characters, uh, the heavy hitters. So, so uh, once Danny went went burned up the city, she had to die. Like that, I think that was the only way it had to go, and it probably had to be John. I'm fine with that. So, um, of the main characters, did any of their endings bother you? I think the only one that might have slightly irked me, irked, it's even too strong a word, is I think Arya. I I don't know what where she should have gone or what should have happened to her, but her. Sailing west, like uh, as somebody called her, Christopher Columbus. Yeah, she's going to go colonize. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, something there was a little lacking. Like Jon Snow's ending, satisfying. That made sense. Did, so, that okay. Fit. So for Arya, apparently in some other season, she said that she was curious about what's west of Westeros. So, so she said it once. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, so so with Jon, uh, a thing that I didn't exactly understand was, did he? Abandoned the Night's Watch to go live with the Wildlings. Is that what happened? I didn't take it that way. Some people did. I took it as he was just simply escorting the Wildlings back up north. And nothing to say 
and it probably will just go back and forth. That's what they normally do anyways, back when the night watch was there, going out uh, north of the wall to just, you know, check things out and such. So, you know, I, I think it's totally reasonable that he was, he's a night watch kind of person, and he'll run that shop, but then he'll go out and visit his wilding friends and spend some time there, maybe weeks at a time, you know. So I think... I think my first impression was that he's doing a mission to escort the wildlings mm-hmm. back into the, the the woods. And then I was like, one, they don't need that. They wouldn't want that. And then two, so John made two oaths in his life or whatever. He made an oath to the Night's Watch to serve until he died. And then I believe that he swore an oath to Mance Raider when he was with the wildlings captured that he was going to be a free person. And I think, and after I thought about it more, that when he went back into the woods at the end of the show, that he was holding true to his oath to Mance Raider. Hmm. And that John, the entire show, he kept not wanting to do the the new leadership thing that they wanted him to do. He did it because he wanted to serve. But I think at this point, he was like, I have done everything I need to do for the system, for the game, for the wheel. Hmm. And now the one thing I want is to be free and get back into more wilding booty. And I think <laughs> that he is going to go do that. I yeah, think yeah. John is now a wildling. I think the only thing John needed was... Um some more wilding booty. <laughs> uh, I think he needed uh, Stephen Covey's class of seven habits of highly effective people. <laughs> Brought out to the Night's Watch, you know, week-long training class, you know, with the bagels in the morning and catered lunch to really drive home the fact, that, especially tip number six, you know, uh, sharpen the saw. I think that's what he's got to do. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> you think, what are you saying, that he's the... Um, I think he just needs some leadership lessons. No, he doesn't. Leadership he does, training. No, I think he's done. He's done. He's like, I was leader. Y'all killed me. He's like, I, I had to kill my girl because y'all wanted me to be leader. He's like, he, he's gone through it. He's like, I've served. I saved all of humanity. I just want to go live in the woods and get oh, down with these imagine, redheads. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let me just put this out there, okay? Imagine if Jon Snow had taken a training class on crucial conversations, right? <laughs> Don't you think that scenario with Danny would turn out differently instead of him stabbing her? No, no. He had a conversation. He kept being like, hey, so like, what if you don't kill everybody? And she was like, no, nah, baby, I'm going to kill everybody. And then John was like, you know, but have you thought about not killing everybody? So as a whole, though, I think the show is fantastic. I think it did something for um, as a cultural uh, movement to a sort. And how much it impacted us emotionally and get everybody all worked up. I think that really says something about the show, obviously. Yeah, it's going to be a long time and, before there's like... And, and I think it's going to age well. I think it's going to age better. I think season eight is going to age better with time as well. I mean... So I was talking to some people about the endings of great shows today. And um, some shows came up like the Seinfeld ending, which in the moment I hated. But then my friend was like, oh yeah, I went back and watched it and it was pretty good. And I was like, okay, well, I think in the moment everybody hated it. So yeah, there's something to be said about like us going back and, ap- you know, after the emotions of everything being built up yeah. sets in that you know we can go back. Like this, it was it was competent. It wasn't a a whip. It wasn't an airball of an episode. It was a fine season, and it was an okay episode. Like you said, a six and a half. Yeah, like season uh, episode three was a whiff, but yes, <laughs> the season. Three, three so, like, yeah, I, I think it'll age well, and Game of Thrones will be in the conversation as greatest shows of all time. I think I had it at number one, but I think I'm going to bump it back down to number two behind Breaking Bad. All right, no, that that I believe. I think Breaking Bad actually had one of the best endings for a show that I wasn't even that into. Um, but yeah, so and let me give a quick plug for theventureout.com because our. Uh, issue that came out today and the next two 
relates back to Game of Thrones and ah. power. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. So uh, I think that's about all we've got out of that. So, um, man, just shout out to all the creatives and everybody yes. that, you know, put their lives and heart and soul into giving uh, a bunch of nerds something to talk about <laughs> on podcasts. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks to them. Uh, shout out to you guys, the listeners. Uh, please check us out at uh, patreon.com slash junto show. And uh, we'll see you on the next go round. Thanks for listening to this special spoiler edition of the Junto Show. Until next time, I'm Lance. I'm Johnny. We'll see you. Bye.